Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. And this week, it's been a tough week. I was sick at the beginning of the week, and now I'm starting to feel something else coming on. My kids have been sick. It's been busy at work, thank God. But I decided to push myself to do this episode. And in thinking about it, if I should do it or not, I was thinking about you, the listeners of this podcast. And really through the years, I've been blessed that people have reached out to me to let me know how much they enjoy this podcast, how much it means to them. And I decided that I'm going to push myself to do it this week again. Thank you for pushing me. And I want to push you to reach out to me to let me know what you think about this podcast. You know, what really gives me the strength and the energy to keep pushing out episodes week after week. Obviously, number one is Siata Deshmayat's Heavenly Help. And it's also the nice dose of encouragement I get from you out there, wherever you may be, from the different people that have sent me heartwarming emails over the years and the different connections I've made from this podcast. So before we begin, I want to give a push to you if you're a listener, even if you don't necessarily reach out to podcasts, you don't call in to radio shows, you don't write in to newspaper editorials, but push yourself here, send the email, say hello, introduce yourself, let me know what you think about this podcast would really mean a lot to me. My email address, as always, is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parshas Vaira. And just to give a quick overview of this week's Parsha before we begin, the Torah tells us in this week's Parsha how Hashem, God, reassures Moshe, the leader of the Jewish people, that is going to be able to take out the Jews from Egypt. He gives over to Moshe Rabbeinu, to Moses, the four expressions of redemption, the four phrases of liberation. And obviously that's what we commemorate when we drink the four cups of wine on Pesach. Moshe still has hesitations, but God reassures him to go to Paro to liberate the Jews from the enslavement in Egypt. The Parsha continues with Moshe Rabbeinu approaching Paro with his brother Aaron to request that the Jews leave for three days to offer sacrifices to Hashem. Paro refuses, and Moshe warns Paro that the plagues are about to begin. The first plague is the plague of blood. The Nile River turns into blood, and there is no fresh drinking water to be found in the land of Egypt, except in the land of Goshen, where the Jews reside. And the Egyptians are forced to purchase their water from the Jews. The second plague is the plague of frogs, where frogs cover the land of Egypt, jumping into the food, going everywhere, inundating the whole land of Mitzrayim with frogs. The Torah tells us of the third plague, lice, the fourth plague, the swarm of wild beasts, the fifth plague, an epidemic that plagues the animals of the land of Egypt, the sixth plague, boils, 
where everyone, including the animals that are left, is afflicted with terrible um, rashes and boils. The seventh plague, hail, destroys the crops, the vegetation throughout the land of Egypt. And the Parsha finishes with Paro being stubborn, refusing to let the Jewish people leave even after these first seven plagues. The first idea I want to share with you today takes us to the beginning of the Parsha, where Hashem, God, tells Moshe Rabbeinu that he's going to take the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt and bring them to the land of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. And the Torah tells us how Moshe Rabbeinu tells this to the Jewish people, but yet they're not able to hear this message. It says, Vayedaber Moshe Kain al b'nei Yisrael, and Moshe spoke to the children of Israel, and they did not listen to Moshe for the anguish of spirit and the hard work. That seems that the, the Jewish people were not able to hear the words of Moshe Rabbeinu that they would come out of Egypt and go to the land of Israel because of the intense oppression that they were under at that moment. The slavery was just too much for them to bear. And they were not able to even hear, there was no space for them to listen, to hear to the, of the words of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Moses. And the commentaries discuss this concept that the Jewish people couldn't hear. From, from this the shortness of breath and the, um, this hardness of work. What does this mean? What does it mean that the Jewish people could not hear the message Moshe Rabbeinu had for them? It was a message of hope. It was a message of inspiration. It was a message of liberation. And really to make this question a little bit even stronger, we know that in last week's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to the Jewish people and he shows them signs and they believe him. They believe that he is going to be the one that takes them out of Egypt. They knew that they would be liberated. And Moshe Rabbeinu showed them the signs that they knew needed to be shown, that the liberator would show to them when the time of liberation would come. So the question is, is what happened now that the Jewish people didn't believe Moshe Rabbeinu? What did Moshe do or didn't do that caused them to not hear them. So obviously, one of the answers that's given is that since they were under such intense oppression, there was no space for anything else. Sometimes people are in a, in a, in a place where they just can't hear anything else besides their misery. They can't get out of it. So they weren't able to hear the words of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Meshachachma, on his commentary in Chumash, Meir Simcha Kain of Dvinsk, he explains a very important concept from this verse in the Torah. Meir Simcha explains that the reason why the Jewish people couldn't hear the message of Moshe Rabbeinu, that they would be taken out of the land of Egypt, that they would come to the land of Israel, is because he told them too much. He painted such a rosy picture that it was impossible for them to believe it. 
it's not just you're going out of Egypt, but you're going to be your own free nation in the land of Israel. It's more than anything you could imagine. And at that moment, under the intense slavery that the Jewish people were experiencing, the pain, the suffering, the picture that Moshe painted was too perfect of a picture for them to believe in. It was too much for them to hear that they would be liberated and that they would have a nation. They would go into the land of Israel. The Jews in Egypt were in such a precarious situation that the picture that Moshe Rabbeinu painted for them was too much out of their reality to be true. So therefore they didn't believe Moshe Rabbeinu. And actually, if you look in the verses further on at verse 13, the Torah tells us that Hashem commands Moshe Rabbeinu to just tell the Jewish people that I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim, that I'm going to take you out of Egypt. Don't say more. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu learned, that he shouldn't have told them at that time that you're going to come out of the land of Egypt, you're going to have your own country in the land of Israel. They were not able to, to hear it because the situation that they're in right now, the reality that surrounds them, is too much for them to picture a situation that being in their own country. All they are thinking about is getting out of the slavery. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was told in, in verse 13 by Hashem. And additionally, that's why the Jewish people weren't able to hear the message that Moshe Rabbeinu brought from Hashem because he only needed to tell them that he's going to liberate them, not that something that's going to be in the future that's just too hard to believe. And Rameer Simcha brings down a very important lesson for us from this episode in the Torah. That many times, you know, we know people that are going through hard situations. Whatever it is, everybody has their own peckle, their own package. And us as friends or as family, our job is to support the people we love. It could be our family, could be our friends, to, to be that sounding board, just to be there for them. Now, obviously, some people, they don't need us to tell them advice and tell them things. They just need someone to listen to. But Rameer Simcha brings out a very important point that when it comes to comforting people in a hard situation, don't try to make such a rosy picture that's too hard for the person to believe. Just try to comfort them in a way that could help them get out of the situation. When a person is experiencing pain, all they want is for the pain to go away. They don't need to know how great it's going to be in the future. Just tell them the pain is going to go away. You're going to get through this. Don't start explaining how it's going to work out for the best because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, there's going to, it's going to be amazing because all of these different details. Just be supportive. Just tell them that they're going to get through it. It's going to end. And that's true because most situations get resolved. And obviously, we dive in. We do our ishtadlis, do what we're supposed to do. We get through things, God willing, and that's what you need your friends for, your family for, to support you, to keep telling you you're going to get through it. You're able to pass this test. 
Sometimes painting a rosy picture is just too hard to handle. And that's a lesson we learned from this week's Parsha, that the Jewish people, they weren't able to hear that super positive message of Moshe Rabbeinu, this amazing future, because all they could think about was getting out of the pain, getting out of the slavery. And that's why Hashem commands Moshe Rabbeinu to just tell the Jewish people that you're going out of slavery. No more, because that's what they're able to hear and that's what they needed to hear. A second idea I want to share with you today takes us to really the first and second plagues that Hashem strikes the Egyptians with. Now we know that for most of the plagues, God commands Moshe Rabbeinu to do something with his staff, to either strike the ground or to pray. But if you look at the first two plagues, blood and frogs, we see that Aaron, the brother of Moshe, is the one to strike the Nile. And if you look at the verses, it says, Vayomer Hashem Moshe, Emor el Aaron, kach matacho nete yadcha al meime mitzrayim al naharoisam va yoreim va agmehem va al kol mikve meimeim va yudam va yadam bechol eret mitzrayim uva etzim uva avonim. Hashem said to Moshe, Say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, over their canals, over their reservoirs, and over all of their gatherings of water. water and they shall become blood. There shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in the wooden and stone vessels. And that's what happened. Aaron struck the Nile, and all the water of Egypt turned into blood. And similarly with the plague of frogs, Aaron was the one who struck the Nile River, and the frogs came out. Now the question is, is that why was it Aaron who was the one who hit the Nile River. We know by lice, Moshe is the one who takes the staff and hits the ground, and lice come out throughout the land of Egypt. And Rashi tells us something very interesting. Rashi says, Amor el Aaron, when, when Hashem says, tell Aaron to hit the Nile River, why is it Aaron? Since the Nile River protected Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was sent in there, Therefore, he didn't hit the Nile, not by blood and not by frogs. Aaron was the one who hit the water. And the Midrash tells us that originally Hashem commanded Moshe Rabbeinu to hit the water. And Moshe Rabbeinu requested that Aaron be the one to strike the water. And the commentaries talk about that Hashem did that on purpose to Moshe Rabbeinu to have that reaction, to give it over to Aaron. And the question is, why? Why does Moshe Rabbeinu need to have gratitude to water, which is an inanimate object? You know, we can understand having gratitude to a person who helps you. You know, so obviously they have feelings. You, could, you want to help them back. But what's the hakara satov? What's the gratitude that Moshe Rabbeinu has to the water. I mean, we know that the water saved his life. The Nile River saved his life when Miriam, his sister, puts him into a basin and he's saved in the Nile River. But the Nile, it's inanimate. It's not a person. It doesn't have feelings. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu need to be sensitive 
to the water. And the commentaries explain that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't being sensitive to the water that had no feelings, but rather he was teaching the importance of gratitude because even something which is inanimate, which doesn't have feeling, which is not alive, you need to have hakara satov to, you need to have gratitude to. And the reason why you need to have gratitude to something that doesn't have feelings, that can't talk, that can't walk, that's not, that's not living, is because if we don't have gratitude, if we don't have respect for things that are inanimate, meaning if we treat things very haphazardly and we don't respect the things we have, so then it has an effect on us, how we treat people, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't necessarily that the water he had gratitude for, but it was his own sensitivities that if he would hit the water, it would make him a less grateful person. And therefore, in order to protect the special trait of gratitude which he had instilled in himself throughout his life, it was not appropriate for him to hit the water because he trained himself to such a degree that even striking the water would affect him on how he would, you know, have gratitude to someone else. And the lesson here is for us is that gratitude goes so far that even things which are not living, which are inanimate, we need to treat them with respect because the way we treat things eventually is, you know, teaches ourselves how we should treat others. You know, you could just imagine someone who is very, uh, you know, throws things around and doesn't treat things with respect. Do you think he treats people with respect? No, because, you know, life's not in a vacuum. People are how they are, and the way they are to one person or one thing is going to be how they are to someone else or to something to someone else. And it's very important for us to keep this in mind, to always have that proper gratitude. Because really, in the end of the day, one of the stress points of Judaism is this idea of gratitude, hakaras hatov. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again, is that the essence of a Jew is hakaras hatov, is, is gratitude. We know that Jewish people are called Jews. And it's interesting because why are we called Yehudim, Jewish people? It comes from the name Yehuda, Judah. Judah was the fourth son of Leah. But why are we called that? It should be Yisraelim, Israelites. And the commentaries explain that Leah named her son Yehuda because it was more than her fair share. If you look in the Torah, it says, Hapam oides Hashem. Now I will thank God because Leah, Yaakov had four wives and now this was her fourth son so she was getting a bigger shear than everyone else because originally it was supposed to be three sons for each wife but now Leah was getting four sons. She had a bigger share and therefore she thanked Hashem just for the goodness they had given her. And really this idea we need to keep in our mind because gratitude to thank Hashem, he's the ultimate source we should be grateful for. You know, if we have to be grateful to the water, that we should teach ourselves to be grateful, and all the more so to people. So even more than that, Kalvachomer ben Benoshel Kalvachomer, that a, you know, many more times than anything else, to be grateful to Hashem, God, who created us, who's given us everything good in our lives. And when we do that, when we are grateful for all the good that Hashem has given to us, 
So Hashem says, you're thanking me for all the good I've given you? I'm going to give you even more good things to thank me for. And that should be our attitude. And that's why we are called Jews, Yehudim, because the essence of a Jew is gratitude. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.